It's Billy Painter, and you're listening to the Supervale Podcast. The Supervale Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Supervale Podcast with me, Terry. This week, we finally get a friendly against Kidsgrove uh, to wet our whistle, to see these new players that Askey's brought in and get a chance to, you know, get back into the zone. I've missed watching the Vales so much. i watched so much other football since the season finished. But yeah, it's all about Port Vale. Last week's guests on the podcast, Kevin and Carol, were brilliant, weren't they? Um, I was supposed to have a 20-minute chat. It was like 50 minutes, and I kept it all in so you could listen to all of it. It was brilliant. If you missed it, please do go and give it a listen and a like. Um, This week, I've not revealed who we've got on. Um, I've said on social media, it's a midfielder. Um, He's also um, a former winner of the FA Youth Cup. That's all I've told you. Remember this clip, though. The game has just got underway and to take us through the teams, but on the attack straight away is Ian Bogey. Says, goal! Ian Bogey! Bogey's done the business! Five seconds into the game, the Bogey Boogie has set it alight here, and the Stokies are stunned! Port Vale 1, Stoke City 0. What a moment. Um, loads of Vale fans will remember that. If you're too young, please go on YouTube and watch Ian Bogey scoring against Stoke. I can't even remember how many seconds he scored it in. I don't think it was five like George Andrews could barely say then, but it was very quick. And uh, there were still people walking into the ground, still people buying the pies. A lot of them missed it. So yeah, this week's guest on the podcast, Ian Bogey. <laughs> Hey, Ian Bogey, welcome to the show. How are you doing, mate? I'm um, very well, Terry. Very well. <laughs> very well. So when a lot of Vale fans think of Ian Bogey, they will, of course, straight away think of that goal against Stoke City, a few seconds into the game, and the roof went off. Yeah, it was, uh, it was special moments, obviously, in my career. Great memories for the, the Port Vale fans at the time. Uh, and it coincided at the, at the time as well. We, we actually beat Stoke twice that season, and... I was fortunate enough to get the two winning goals and two one nil victories. One at the old um, Victoria Park, and obviously the one that everybody remembers is the one that uh, early early in the game at at, uh, at Vale Park, which was you know a, a very special goal and one of the best goals I've scored in my career. And you know great times indeed at, at the time for for the supporters and myself. Yeah, amazing times. Uh, what was it like after a derby? You know, us fans, we have to go home, but you're in the change rooms after. You might go to the pub later on. What's it like after a derby game, especially when you've scored a goal? Well, it means a, a great deal, obviously, for the, the players and the rivalry between the two teams and Stoke uh, being the fierce rivals of Port Vila. Was, it's always special to win. And, and obviously, on a personal point of view, for me to score the two two winning goals, I obviously got a lot of accolades from the supporters and what have you. But uh, yeah, it was fantastic. I think uh, and the game when we scored, it, I scored it at Vale Park. It, it was at a time that um, it was a midweek game. I can always remember it was a midweek game, and we were playing at Wembley actually straight after on the yeah. Sunday. We were playing in the Anglo-Italian Cup final. Yeah. So it was a couple of special games for the club. Obviously, one. You know, at Vale Park and Stoke against your rivals and, and winning then. Straight after that, within a couple of days, we were travelling down to Wembley to play it against Genoa in the Anglo Italian Cup final. So, fantastic games and fantastic to be part of a, yeah. a great squad of players and 
great lads we had at the time, you know, so it was it was good all round. I said that it's a goal that most Vale fans remember, but to be honest, a lot of them were still at the bar, in the toilet, walking through the gates, a lot of them missed it. Possibly, I think... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're totally right. I think um, I think five seconds or six seconds, what they say, but I think it was more probably into the uh, 10, 12 second. Obviously, from the kickoff, I can always remember it was, you know, obviously from the kickoff, it was set back in the uh, defensive midfield position, and I can always remember Lee Lee Glover was playing on yeah. the night. Lee was a smashing smashing footballer striker, uh, and he obviously seeing his running, he let it run. It was like a dummy run. And um, and I collected it on the the point of the eighteen yard box, and I just let go. And it uh, and I had the good fortune that it, it went in the top corner, opposite side of the goalkeeper. And, and as you see there, I think the ground was only at the time it was probably three quarters full because of, of what you've said. People were just starting to take the seats, etc., etc. <laughs> but uh, and and unfortunately for them, they missed it, and that was the only goal of the game, and it was a. You know, I'd have to say it was a great goal for for me, and, a, a, and fortunately, like I said, it was the winning goal yeah. to get us the three points. And then you mentioned the Anglo-Italian Cup, 5-0 down at half-time. I had a 10 on you to score as well that day. <laughs> well, that was a bit of an anti-climax, I'd have to say, because uh, we came against the Genoa side, they were uh, technically far superior. Though, so I think the final score was 5-2 or 5-3, I think. 5-2, and it was a hot day. I can always remember it was a hot day at Wembley mm. on a Sunday. And uh, they ran the, the legs off with basically the pass off the park. And then what a, them, I'd have to say at the time, then what a fantastic outfit. Yeah. And uh, deserved winners on the day. But like I said, the experience. And you know, it was at a time that Portville had been to Wembley and a couple of, another played in the autoglass uh, finals and what I did beforehand. So it was to go to Wembley in any. On any occasions, fantastic for everybody. But um, it wasn't, it wasn't what everybody expected on the day because we were beaten comprehensively by a good Genoa side. Yeah, did Rudge um, go in on you at <laughs> half time, five 0 down? Because like I say, Foyle got two back. Well, it's just one of them. Look, we're playing for we're pride in the second half and make sure that the second half we try to win, <coughs> um, which we did. But uh, to come back from you know two 0 down in a Wembley showpiece final. You know, it's hard enough, but it's five. It's it's almost impossible. Yeah. Uh, we knew that, and we just had to go out, and, uh, put on a show for the supporters who had made the long trip down there and, and play for three basically. And that's what it, that's what it was about. That's how we, you know, we got back. Yeah, some sort of pride in the game with with the scoring. Yeah, I've got to talk about your goals against Everton as well. You just mentioned a hot day for Port Vale. It was freezing that day at Goodson Park. To be fair, in the first game, the two each draw Goodison. I was named as a substitute. And I was disappointed on the day to be, you know, you're always disappointed as a professional footballer to be on the bench. And uh, more so when you're playing in the, the, the so-called big games, cup games like that. And I was called off, the, I think, the second half. I played the second half. I came on at half-time, I think. Well. And um, we were chasing the game. What it wouldn't be 2-1. And it was, the first goal was a fluke one. They wanted um, everything I have to say. I just took an opportunity. The ball came to the edge of the box. Um and I just took a pot pot shot at it, and it took a it took a bit of a, a deflection off one of the Everton defenders, and it looked over the top and Neville Southall. But fortunately, it got us the the, the reward of a, um, a replay at, at Vale Park, a two-two draw. So I went to Vale Park, and I had to see on that night again. That was one of the certainly in my time as a Port Vale player, it was one of the 
as a as a team collectively, it was one of the best performances uh, yeah. we put on. I think for the supporters as well, playing against a side that ultimately the year before were there, be a cup cup holders, and you know we were different class of the night. And yeah, I think two even two one two one probably flattered. I don't know if the truth was wrong. And again, I was fortunate enough to get one of the goals, the the opening goal of the game. Um, to give it a great chance to go, to go on and get victory and you know John McCarthy got the other one well worked goal I can remember that vividly with you know, build up play down the, down the left two, two wide players and Gubby and McCarthy were different class at the level we playing at cross from Gubbs on the wide left and John McCarthy still around the back supposed to, to win the game for her. but it was again a much deserved victory and Again, they're great times for the club. You scored against arguably the best keeper in the world at the time, Neville Southall as well. Neville Southall, yeah, he was a top draw keeper, mm. there's no doubt. Evan had some top class players in their, in their side, you know. They had heavily invested in their side. Joe Royal was the manager and heavily fancied the beat where there's no doubt, uh, particularly in the first game. But when we get back to Veal Park, you know, the, you know we were... Okay, we were a, were a real, real strong outfit, particularly mm. at home, and uh, we were a match for anybody on with there. There's no doubt about that, and that was testament to, to what I'm saying there is that some of the players went on to you know, bigger and better things and getting big money transfers here, there, and everywhere. So uh, we were a good side, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. An unfashionable side <laughs> in that division, which is obviously now the championship, um, but you know, we're always held with own against some good sides Birmingham's, West Brom's, who you know, we were always. Uh, World and we against teams like that, so we're a good, good, solid outfit. Yeah, a jolly lad, obviously, compared to Gaza when you came to the club because you played with Gaza at Newcastle. And he mentions you in his book as well, doesn't he? Well, we grew up together. Yeah, me and Gaza obviously grew up together. I was young kids, came through. Uh, Gaza obviously a year older than me, he was a second year apprentice. I was a first year apprentice, and we struck up a, a relationship from being on schoolboy forms at the club. So we came through the system together. Uh, I only had the the good fortune of playing on the first team in Newcastle once with Gaza, and that was uh, against QPR away. Because at the time, obviously, uh, the then manager Willie McFord just believed he, he believed that the two were similar sort of traits, ball playing midfield players, and and then you know you, you, traditionally the teams used to play like a four four two two centre midfield players. Of the two centre midfield players, one was a more of a holding midfield player, uh, defensive minded, and me and Gaza were quite similar in terms of our traits, in terms of our passing midfield players. So, and that was the only time we got the opportunity to play together uh, as in, in, in terms of starting at Newcastle. That was QPR away. But like I said, we came through the youth team, played many games together, and uh, now he, was, uh, so he was one of the, the greatest of his generation. There's not a shadow of a doubt, Gaza was. So oh, yeah. He was a fantastic player. Yeah, and when you joined Vale, Joe Allen was there for a while. You played with Joe, didn't you, when you were at Newcastle? Joe Allen, yes. Joe was another one. When I first came to the club, Joe obviously in the dressing room at the time. Uh, and I, I still see Joe occasionally in and around the city now, you know. Um, great character, Joe. <laughs> obviously, he's, he made a, made a good living. He was a great goal scorer, particularly when he came through the system in Newcastle. He was razor sharp in front of the goal. He had a real eye for goal. And indeed, he made a good career for himself. Uh, it had some good moves. Uh, it was only there for, for a short period of time. I think I arrived in uh, at, at Portville in the February of the season. And um, by the end of the season, I think Joe had left. Yeah. Uh, so it was only a few months I spent together with Joe at the club before he moved on to uh, other things. 
Yeah, a lot of people like Joe Allen. He he was a bit part player. He got brought on quite a lot as a sub, but his celebrations and I can imagine what he would have been like in the dressing room as well. Oh, he's a great character. He's, you know, you always need them sort of players. Number one, it's a, it's about you know you can't just be good in the dressing room and be a very good footballer. But Joe was, you know, he's a he's a good footballer and he had a he had a real eye for goal, which you know, that's the hardest part of football scoring goals. So he could do that. He done it in. Uh, and speed loads for his, his teams he played for. He always, you know, he's always in the double figures mark for whichever team he played for. Joe was. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ian, um, you said that playing at Vale was probably the best part of your career at some Definitely, point. Definitely, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And thank you for the goals and thank you for talking to me today. Not a problem, Terry. And uh, just wish the club uh, all the very best. I always keep a, you know, I always keep an eye out for Port Vale. I know they've had recent struggles and. You know, I, I still keep in touch with Neil Aspen. As it was a big mate of mine. You know, when I was down at Field Park, another Jordy Land. He had the, the enviable task of trying to, you know, rescue the club and try to put it, put it higher up the, up the league, so to speak. And you know, he had a he had a tough, tough time of it, I believe. But um, you know, like I said, we've always got, you know, got, I spent four, four or five seasons at Portfield, so it's always going to take a special place in me, in me heart because we're, you know, me family. We lived there, and one of my sons was born in, in Staffordshire, so it's a special place for me, and I always keep a keep an eye on on Port Vale's results, and uh, I wish them well, and I hope they can reach the the levels that we reached uh, in the in the in the in what was it, the late nineties, and what time when we were at Port Vale, because they were like special times. We got special set of supporters there, which uh, deserve all the all the credit and everything that comes their way. Brilliant. Fingers crossed. Look at me, sir. Follow the Supervale podcast on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Search Supervale Pod. Thank you very much, Ian Bogey. Um, it's time to draw a winner. Uh, I never mentioned this earlier on in the podcast, but uh, we have got a competition over on Twitter uh, right now to win a Port Vale shirt for the mid-2000s signed by 21 players, including Andy Porter, Danny Sonner, Billy Painter, Sam Collins and George Arby, to name a few. Uh, we asked you to tag three Vale fans and retweet, and I'd pick a winner today. Well, here we go. Uh, it'll take me five seconds to do a quick scroll up and down. So let me just do that. One, two, three, four, five. Let me stop it there. We've got Morris286 on Twitter. Ashley Morris, you've won the Vale shirt. I'll contact you, and we'll get that sent over to you ASAP. Uh, thanks again for listening. I uh, hope we have a good game down at Kids Grove. I'm looking forward to this pre-season. Up the veil. Vale. <laughs>